Welcome to the Aspiring New Leader, a weekly podcast that provides creative, innovative, and practical strategies for the new leader, bringing you all that is cutting edge and helping you to think in new and exciting ways. And now your host, Dan Perryman. Welcome to the Aspiring New Leader podcast. I am your host, Dan Perryman, and you have joined us for episode five. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing how to add two hours of productivity to your day. Joining us as always, Jacob, welcome. Happy to be here. Have you noticed that's my tagline? Happy to be here? Yeah. I think I've used it in every episode. Now we're going to get fact checked and people are going to realize I didn't use it in the first two. I'm going to go back and listen to all the episodes. So today is Black Friday. It's 7 a.m. in the morning. We always record in the morning and we'll be talking about why we do that a little bit later. But Jacob, you do anything fun yesterday? Well, it was Thanksgiving here in um, the United States. So we got together with some family, went up to my wife's uh, grandmother's in Maroa and um, had some delicious turkey and ham. That's good. And you put your tree up, you said? Oh yeah, I did put my tree up. I did that Wednesday. Um, Rochelle and the children were out of the house. So uh, I, I put up the Christmas tree when I could do it without anybody um, grabbing at stuff that was going to have to be on the tree. And your uh, oldest child is excited about the tree? Yeah, she came home and um, the tree was all lit up and she ran upstairs and was jumping around yelling that it was Christmas and then had to break it to her that there was 30 days left before Santa came. So she's sad right now? No, now she's still happy. Every morning she or night, every day she wants to be the one that turns on and turns off the Christmas tree. So that's her job. Yeah, it's exciting as a child. Anything exciting for you on Thanksgiving, Dan? Yeah, we got some exciting news. Uh, my oldest daughter told us that she was pregnant, so it'll be our first grandchild. She's uh, due July 18th, so that's pretty exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. All my kids are, are together down in Tennessee, and they spent all day sending, have you seen the mannequins? Yeah. What they a, do with mannequins? It's so. a huge craze right now. Yeah, so every if you don't know the mannequins thing, so everybody freezes in a pose and then they take a video and they send it around. So they're pretty entertaining, actually. So what were they doing? Playing Jenga. Jenga. Anyway, so uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody, and we hope you have a great holiday weekend. Just wanted to talk about the viewers. The podcast continues to go international in a way. We have listeners from Turkey, United Kingdom, Sweden. French Polynesia, Ireland, Spain, and Tanzania. That's kind of cool, right? pretty exciting. And of course, the United States. All right, today's episode, we're going to be talking about productivity and how you can add two hours of productive time to your day. Just want to go through some facts about productivity in the U.S. A study last fall in New York found that office distractions ate up 2.1 hours a day for the average worker. It takes workers 25 minutes to return to their original task. We'll talk about that later, too. It says most people actually use 60% or less of available work time for productive work. And they did this study internationally, interviewed 38,000 people, and it showed that even though they were physically at work five days a week, they were only productive three days a week. That's, that's amazing. That's, Uh, 43% of Americans categorize themselves as disorganized and 21% have missed vital work deadlines. Wow. And these are all different studies. So this isn't from the same study. Now I can attest to this one. 
people who regularly juggle several streams of electronic information do not pay attention. That's pretty obvious. Could you get off your iPhone and pay attention? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was checking yeah, we, we, we see that a lot at work. Um, I do that as well. Office workers spend an average of four hours per week in meetings. Half of them feel that this time is wasted. You ever felt time was wasted in a meeting, Jacob? No, all of our meetings are successful. <laughs> it says unnecessary meetings cost U.S. businesses approximately $37 billion each year in lost productivity. This is interesting. Three quarters of surveyed employees saw an improvement in their time management when they exercised before work or at lunchtime. I could see that. It, it gets the brain flowing and your body moving. So, Two questions for you. Have you First question is, have you ever exercised? If, uh, have I ever? Yes. And I then have. have you ever done it before lunch? No, <laughs> right. never before lunch. We'll work on that one. <laughs> then sleep deprivation is now costing U.S. companies $63 billion a year in lost productivity. Because these, are, these are crazy huge numbers. I know. It says exhaustion makes employees less efficient, even in the time it takes to read email. We can see that when people come into work, say they haven't slept well last night, and they're not very productive. And then it says insomnia cost $2,280 per worker and lost productivity. Kind of crazy stats. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go through some ways of how you can be more productive. And they're actually pretty common sense ways. So it's something that you can begin to do tomorrow. So let's start with number one, the morning routine. We'll talk about morning routine in a second. Jacob, do you do anything morning routine wise? Well, I, you know, I always get up when the alarm goes off. So the alarm is set at the same time every day. Um, get out of bed. Uh, first thing I do is shower. Then um, I get ready, go into work. And then I have my pre-breakfast, <laughs> which is a yogurt. And the reason it's pre-breakfast is because then Dan comes in later and we go get breakfast again. So I pre-breakfast. <laughs> so uh, for all the listeners, uh, you can compare what Jacob does, basically getting out of bed and going to work, eating twice to what other people do that are more productive, possibly. <laughs> I was going to say more successful, but <laughs> we'll let that's the a, listeners be the judge of that. That's a that's a little deep of a dig. <laughs> so we'll, we'll start with the president, Barack Obama. He gets up, starts his day with a workout at 6.45 a.m., Read reads several newspapers, has breakfast once with his family, <laughs> and then starts his work day. I like that the first successful person you compare me to is the president of the United States. Well, he's, you could have set the bar a little bit lower. He's our leader. Okay, so uh, David Karp, founder of Tumblr, it says as demanding as his schedule is, Karp makes sure he doesn't check his email until he gets in the office. And why he doesn't read it, he says that reading emails at home never feels good or productive. So if something is urgent, then somebody will call or text him. So the former chairman and CEO of Pepsi says that he wakes up at 5 a.m. every morning, does a four-mile run, follows it with prayer, reads a newspaper, and then eats breakfast one time. All these these people need to, to get on the two breakfasts, the pre-breakfast and the regular breakfast. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it would it would help with their success. Yeah. Michelle Gass, president of Starbucks for over 15 years, she has woken up each morning at 4.30 to go running. She believes that it has boosted her happiness and business success. 
Starbucks is usually part of my pre-breakfast. That is true. Does that count? So the late Steve Jobs, Apple CEO, he says for the past 33 years, he has looked in the mirror every morning and asked himself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I am about to do today? That's a great perception of the day. It's a good way to start. And one more, Mr. Motivation himself, Tony Robbins. He's a self-help writer and motivational speaker. He says that the thing that changed his life was when he decided he wasn't living up to a standard, so he changed his habits in the morning. And he does an hour of power every morning, which includes motivational sayings and visualization. I think what this shows us is that most successful people do have a morning routine because it's, it's time that you can invest in yourself, and that's what I read a lot about. So if you wake up every morning, you rush off to work, you really don't have time for yourself because as soon as you get to work, your day most of the time is out of your control. Unless you're like the other 60% of people that are not very productive at work <laughs> and then apparently their day is all about themselves. So, Exactly. So a couple tips. Uh, wake up early. There's a, there's a podcast and I think he wrote a book as well. It's called The 5 a.m. Miracle by Jeff Sanders and he talks a lot about why he gets up at 5 a.m. It's his time to do what he thinks is a priority in his life. So if you're looking for some guidance on what you should do in the morning, at least get up an hour before you typically do. And a lot of people will recommend hydrating. So drink a glass of water, uh, meditate. A lot of people uh, pray and then do one thing that takes a lot of energy and that is a priority in your life. So I talked about why we do the podcast in the morning. We do the podcast um, first thing in the morning because that's when we found out that we're the most fresh. All kidding aside from my pre-breakfast, uh, I actually do get up early, so 5.30 in the morning, and I found out that it's a good consistent time to wake up. Um, and the reason being is because after my shower, that's when I'm awake, alert, and that's another reason why we do the podcast because then in, early in the morning, um, all of our thoughts are put together and we're ready to go. Most of the people I talk to, when I ask them what the most productive time of their day is, they do say morning. There is a few that say that they're more productive at night. I mean, speaking for myself, I am definitely more productive in the morning. I can think clear. That may have something to do with age as well. But I try to get up an hour, hour and a half early and then work on something. Typically, it's with the podcast now. But I found like writing and researching you may not think that you're that fresh that early in the morning, but get up, have some water, drink some coffee, maybe do a few jumping jacks. There's really light exercise just to kind of get your, your blood flowing and wake up a little bit. And then if you just go to the computer and start working on something, you are actually really productive in the morning. And then all day you have this sense of accomplishment. Uh, but what I would recommend is spend the time with something you want to do. Just don't get up and then rush off to work because it, it gives you time for yourself. Okay, moving on. Number two, separate strategic tasks versus brain dead tasks. This is the thought process that is built around your cognitive ability, which are your brain skills that are based on um, our need to carry out a task from the simplest to the most complex. It has more to do with the mechanisms on how we learn, remember, and problem solve and pay attention rather than actual knowledge. So you focus on the time of day that your brain works best and that we established for um, Dan and I that that is the morning. 
And so what I do is, since I work best in the morning, is I front load my calendar with strategic tasks or um, meetings that are going to accomplish strategic goals and then backload um, my calendar with tasks that are more brain dead and easier to go through. Like what would be an example of something you would front load your calendar with in the morning? Right. So I throw front load my calendar in the morning with um, a right now working on um, readmissions. So it's one of the goals to lower our readmissions in the hospital. So I front load my calendar with work based around that project. So any of the projects I have that, that fit into my strategic plan or the hospital's plans, I do first. So if it's building projects or capital projects, those are the first things I work on. Yeah, I started doing that with my calendar. I try to block off a couple hours to work on strategic goals first thing in the morning. And what I do every day is I front load as well. So I set a couple hours in the morning to work on strategic priorities. And then I push off emails typically to lunch or later because you can go through a lot of emails. It and answer those. And it doesn't always take, you know, a lot of strategic thinking. So I think this is a really good tip. And what we found with our CEO book club and talking to others is that they don't do this. Whatever comes into their day, they just do. And there's no rhyme or reasoning around it. Right. They, they multitask really is what they do. I read an article in Forbes that was a study that was performed at Stanford University about multitasking. And they found that um, those that focused on single tasks versus those that focused or that did multitasking, um, those that did single tasks were far more productive. Um, when you try to do two things at once, your brain lacks the capacity to perform both tasks successfully. And what they found out, comparing it to another study that the University of London did, is that um, multitasking um, is compared to smoking marijuana and can actually lower um, a male's IQ 15 points into the range that would be compared to an eight-year-old child. Wow. I also read there really is no multitasking. You're just switching very quickly back and forth between tasks. So people will say, oh, I'm multitasking, but really they're just not paying attention to one task for very long and they're switching back and forth, right? Right. And, And you talked about email management and how you did your emails. Um, I've got some tips on email management that I think would be helpful. And that is first, the two minute rule. So spend less than two minutes per per email. Um, If you're spending more than two minutes per email, that task is too important to complete by email. So what you should do is just pick up the phone, call that person, um, bring that small group together and complete that task. The next thing for email management is to turn email off. So if you're doing an individual task, um, if you're working on your strategic plan, your projects, um, an important item for the day, turn your email off. Shut it off on the computer, which is a lot easier to do than, um, say, your smart devices. Email is a very big distraction, and it wastes a lot of your productive time. The other thing, since we can't just turn Well, we could just turn our devices off, but since it's our phone and our texting too, turn off your notifications for email. So my email is minimized on my computer at work. The notifications are shut off on my phone, so um, it doesn't vibrate. And then I don't get the pop-up on my computer um, as well. So if I'm on a task and um, working, I don't get that distraction. 
Yeah. And on the two minute rule, if you can't set up a meeting with the small group, but you have to answer the email, the recommendation is that you schedule some time to answer the email if it's going to take a while. Because if it's going to take you more than a couple minutes, it's probably a pretty important email. So you want to take some time and think about what your answer is. And as we talk about notifications, the next time you're in a meeting, watch everyone in that meeting. Um, You can tell who has their notifications and it's almost turns into Pavlov's dog, which is um, reaction and similarity training. You'll see people reach wherever their phone is or glance down the minute that notification goes off. So either that vibration or that sound. Yeah. And what, you know, as you know, one thing we started doing with our administrative team meeting is everybody puts their phone up on the counter or they don't bring it in. And that actually, we shorten the meeting from two and a half hours to one hour and we're more productive because nobody's looking at their phone. Going back to work through the list real quick, since, since we promised the listeners that they could add a couple hours of productivity, we want to kind of keep track, right? So number one, the morning routine, if you add an hour to your day early in the morning, there's one hour of super productive time. So we're already halfway to our goal every day. So you just added an hour. Email management, how do you save time with that, Jacob? Um, You block or only check it two times a day. Um, So I check mine in the morning. It's part of my morning routine. I, I do it at work when I get there first thing, knock them out, and then I don't check it again until the afternoon. So I am not um, checking email all throughout the day. It's actually scheduled into my calendar. Right, right. Great point. So we'll say uh, at least 15 minutes a day focused on answering emails. And we're going to talk about chunking here in a second. The separating strategic versus brain dead tasks, that I think makes you super productive because you're focused on what's important when you're the freshest and when you have the most energy. So not only will you save time, but you're actually going to produce better work. Right. Your results will be better. Um, You won't have to rework and you'll lose productive time on rework. Right. So that's going to save you some time as well. The next one on the list is enter to-dos in a calendar, not on a to-do list. Some may have disagreement over this, but this is personally what I think is effective. In the past, I would take a notepad and I'd write down everything that I had to do. And then you just kind of continually update that list. But it always seemed like there was so much on the list that you would never get to a lot of it. So instead, what I do now, if I have a project, I actually enter it into the calendar and schedule that time. So if I have to work on a priority for 30 minutes, I put it on the calendar. And at least in my case, then uh, another meeting doesn't get scheduled over it. Number five on the list is what they call chunking. And that kind of goes back to your multitask comment, Jacob, that you are definitely more productive if you focus on one thing. What chunking means is you just take time to focus on one thing and you focus intently. Here are the steps. They're kind of obvious, actually. Focus on one thing at a time and don't let yourself be distracted. I was listening to the podcast at 5 a.m., Miracle, and he was talking about all the steps that he goes through to not be distracted, which is interesting because we live in this world of distractions. Our phone, we're always checking that, TV's on. He actually has a 10-step process that uh, he goes through not to be distracted. And I won't go through all the steps, but it's it's basically designed to create space for him and time where, because he's an at-home entrepreneur, where nobody will bother him. 
during this certain time. The second part is if work takes more than an hour to do, cut it up in chunks that each take less than an hour to complete. So if you have a hour and a half project that you need to complete, break it up into either three 30 minute sections or two 45 minute sections. If you have lots of little things to do, bundle them into bigger chunks that take at least 10 minutes. And then lastly, allow yourself frequent little breaks between the chunks to clear your mind and enjoy your progress and accomplishments. And once you start accomplishing things, you actually do get this nice feeling of accomplishment and kind of a sense of pride once yeah. you, once you're completing things. You do. It helps with the productivity. You've completed a task or, or jobs and um, you do have that sense of accomplishment. It, you know, distraction, another thing I found to find distraction for myself is that it, if my brain starts to wander, what I'll do is I'll just stand up, get out of my chair, um, go to the window in my office, look out the window for kind of five minutes and just reset and then sit back down and able to, to complete some more work. Every time I walk by your office, you're staring out the window. I, I've distracted a lot. <laughs> it's always, it's always, <laughs> it's always the five minute break. So, uh, you know, chunking that does, that does actually make a lot of sense. One thing I do is I turn my, my phone off. I actually don't turn it off. I turn it to airplane mode. If you're like me, I'm always looking at my phone, always wondering what emails coming in. So that actually helps me physically that I don't hear it. And then kind of mentally, I know that nothing new is coming in. So I typically try to do 25 minute blocks and then I'll take a little, I'll stand up for a few minutes and then I'll start again. 25 minutes seems to be what's right for me. And then I've read like 45 minutes or an hour. Okay, moving on. So this one actually saved me a lot of time. So I went through my calendar, all the meetings that I was in charge of, and I shortened them. I went from one hour meetings, two times a month with my senior leaders to one meeting for 20 minutes a month. That actually saved 15 hours a month approximately. And you think, well, that's not enough time. But since Jacob is one of these meetings, did it change anything with how much we reviewed? Yeah, it changed a lot with how much we reviewed. Um, the agenda was more structured. We accomplished more during those meetings, found ourselves keeping each other on track. So if we started to talk about something else, um, usually that was you trying to talk about something else. I was like, hey, hold on, I got a list here to cover. Um, I only have 20 minutes, we can talk about that later. Right, right, so we actually became more productive and I really haven't heard one complain about needing more time uh, so that that saved a lot of time. Went through and shortened other meetings. We have a weekly administrative meeting that used to last about two and a half hours, and we shortened that to an hour. That saved about 12 hours a month, and then canceled other meetings. This right here saved like 37 hours a month in meeting time just for me. And then there's seven other people who saved a lot of time as well. So this actually saved days and days of time, allowing us to focus on what is more important, our priorities. The one thing I want to say, though, is when you free up your calendars, you need to make sure that you're going to spend that time productively. So just don't go through your calendar, save all this time, and then and then sit and stare at email during all this free time. It, and it's also good. I, I did the same thing. So I went to the 20-minute meetings with my leaders as well, too. But it, I found it's also good to communicate to them that you're still available that it's not just cutting time down um, 
for the meeting, but that uh, you want them to prioritize, reprioritize, and plan their day better as well. Um, but that you're still available for things that come up. And I know some of you may be thinking, well, I can't do that because you know I'm not in charge of these meetings. But with all of these things, view this as kind of a toolbox. You can kind of pick and choose what you do have control over and how much time. But the first six, at least in my world, we've already saved two hours a day. And so it's really easy to save time and we're more productive because of what we changed. Number seven, reduce the number of people who attend meetings. So how many of you have sat in meetings with five other people and you're all listening to the same thing, wondering why you're at the meeting? My recommendation here is send one person to a meeting if it's possible. I mean, I, I have meetings that I have to go to at the corporate office that, you know, we're all there and, and there's certain meetings that you're going to have to go to. But if there, if you have any control over this, send one person and let them brief you later on, send a quick email. So instead of five people sitting through the meeting, you have one person sitting through the meeting and then just sharing the information. Uh, and I um, look at my calendar when I see meetings. Um, I go into that meeting and look at the attendees. And if somebody in that meeting is um, an individual that is part of my team, I will look at the topic. And then if I think it's possible, or I don't need to be there for a decision to be made. I'll remove myself from that meeting because I feel that my team is confident enough um, to be able to uh, bring that meeting and that information back to me if necessary. That's a great point. So Jacob, scheduling office time versus allowing drop-in visits. What's your thought about that? That's that's a difficult one because there's things that do come up during the day. I just asked for my team that if they're going to do a drop-in that they... Um, send a text or they try to put it on the calendar um, as opposed to just walking in. My time is valuable along with their time um, and I could have something um, scheduled that I'm working on. So to really drop in could be rude to an individual. I also find that um, to minimize that, you can shut your door. That's about the easiest thing to do. Uh, people may knock, um, but again, it's your time if you have something scheduled when they do drop in. Um, there's nothing wrong with saying, Hey, I'm working on this. Um, I'm available at this time. Is it all right if we talk then? I've read several articles about this and there is no such thing as you got a minute. That, that's true. Um, somebody says you got a minute. It usually turns into 30. When somebody pops in, pops their head into your office and, and asks, Hey, you got a minute and you say yes. So there, there is no minute. It's five to 10 minutes is a typical interruption. But then the time that people don't factor in is the time that it takes you mentally to get back to your task. The latest article says that every time somebody pops their head into your office for a minute, it actually reduces your productivity or eliminates it by 23 minutes because it takes that long to actually get back into your task. Keep that in mind. And so the idea of having an open door policy, um, you only want to take that so far. I mean, if at the hospital, if there's an emergency, of course, they'll pop in and we'll talk about it. But otherwise, we try to schedule everything because not only is it good for both of your productivity, but it actually, when you schedule it, allows you to concentrate on that person. You're paying attention to them, kind of, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking about what project that you should be working on. <laughs> and then you might even be thinking about, 
man, you're taking away my productive time, you know? So it's just better to schedule this and try to eliminate drop-ins for everybody. Did you say it takes 23 minutes to reset? 23 minutes. Yeah. They say the average drop-in costs you 23 minutes of productivity. So if you're thinking you, there's eight hours in your work day, um, right. So there's 23 minutes gone of that eight hours already. That kind of probably goes back to the point of your productive three days a week out of the five. Yeah. The original statistic. So number nine, always have an agenda for meetings with priorities listed on them. So you have to seek input from other team members that are going to be in the meeting before you even develop an agenda. You want to make sure that all the topics in the meeting are covered in that agenda. If you don't do that, there are going to be other items that come up during that meeting that will derail um, the agenda. So you need to make sure that all topics are covered in the agenda. State the purpose of the meeting. You want to outline the goal so that everyone knows the task at hand and can remain focused. Um, You want to make sure it's a priority and that it's going to move forward and make the project move forward. You also want to identify a facilitator and a timekeeper for each meeting. This defines the lead to keep the meeting running smoothly. And then also the timekeeper is used to hold the facilitator accountable uh, that time is met. Yeah. And the other thing we started doing is just because a meeting is scheduled doesn't mean you have to hold it. If, if you don't have any topics for your agenda and you're just meeting because it's scheduled, we started canceling the meetings and nobody complains when a meeting's canceled. They actually get a free hour or a free 20 minutes or whatever the time frame is. Consider that if you don't have a lot of topics, if they can wait, cancel the meeting and cover it next week when you meet. That'll save you a lot of time as well. We already talked about making sure that all the the correct individuals are in the room. Don't over-invite and don't under-invite. You can always fill people in that um, are just there as informational. And then last but not least for those meetings, follow-up, sign follow-up, and deadline. So you need to make sure that each action item has a completion date or otherwise those meetings aren't going to be moved forward and the project um, won't be completed. Right. Number 10, 80-20 mindset, goals focus. Right. This is the Pareto principle that 80% of our results will come from just 20% of our actions. Take that into real life. Think of that 20% of the customers account for 80% of your total profits or 20% of the employees do 80% of the work um, or 20% of the employees cause 80% of your problems. Um, However you want to think of that. So, And then also with your own life, Um, think about what you own. Think about your clothes, your cable subscription, your smartphone. I would imagine you only wear 20% of your clothes that you, whatever's in your closet, there are certain items that you love. You don't watch all the channels on your cable subscription. Uh, You only watch a few of your favorites. For Dan, I know that's Lifetime. (laughs) I think it's called the Oprah channel now. Is it? I think it may be oxygen, oxygen, actually. We may have butchered that one completely. Um, And then you only use probably 20% of the apps on your smartphone, too. So look at your apps. You're probably taking up a whole lot of memory that could be used for other other things. How do you gain more time or productivity in your job? So pay close attention to your job description or your calendar. Where do you get 80% of your results? So... What part of your job should you be focused on? What part of your projects do you need to be on? It's good to have strategic focus throughout the year with your job. So what items 
are you need to be working on? And that's where you need to spend your time. I'll give you a hint. It isn't in emails. It isn't in meetings. Um, but instead it's your actual work. And with this, not only will you get more time back, you'll decrease your stress. Yeah. Great point. So this is the top 10 list right here. And we kind of lost track of how you keep track of the time you saved, but clearly you can see at least two hours of increased productivity, save time, um, just adding in an hour in the morning before you get up, before your children get up, you can easily add two hours of productivity. So Jacob, since this is Black Friday, we are offering five additional tips for free. Ooh. Yeah. Tantalizing. So, so for those that are looking for a deal, they have come to the right place, right? Number 11, just say no. This seems obvious, but we started trying to do this at work. Uh, hopefully no, <laughs> hopefully no physicians are listening to this because, uh, you know, we deal with physicians and they, they request equipment. And typically what we do, even if we think that we're not going to do it, we'll say, well, let us look into it. And in the back of our mind, we we're pretty confident we're not going to do it. So we just started saying, no, we're not going to do that project right up front because that actually saves us time. It saves them time. And we can all go back to work and not worry about this project. But I think a lot of people, instead of just saying no to a person, they'll say, okay, well, let me think about it. And then you spend a lot of time spinning your wheels when you know it's not going to happen anyway. Yeah, you spend a lot of time thinking how to get out of it. (laughs) Uh, Number 12, next action. So uh, David Allen has a book, Getting Things Done, and it is a very, very comprehensive book about productivity. It's kind of the it's kind of the go to resource for productivity, and it's been around for a long time. One of the most important things that he talks about in his book is this next action. So the way this works, say you have a project and it has twenty steps that you need to take care of. So what do, what do people typically do? They write down the project, then they write down the twenty steps that have to be done, and then they look in horror at the list saying, I can't accomplish this. This is too much. And you really don't accomplish anything. So what he recommends is say you have a project with 20 steps, you take the first step, make it very specific. So for example, say your goal was to make a cup of coffee. He would recommend that you would write the next action is go to refrigerator, not grind not go to the refrigerator, grind the coffee, put it in the coffee pot. It would be one specific step. And I started doing this and it actually works really well. So you just put one little tiny step and you accomplish that. Then you put the next step. That is, it's actually a a very simple, but brilliant concept. Number 13, the weekly review. Another David Allen concept is the weekly review. And you can pull it from his website, which is davidco.com, davidco.com. And it's a PDF document that you can work through and it has every single step. But the basic concept is to go back and look at your past week, review what worked, what didn't, what happened in your meetings, what should have took place, uh, prioritize those thoughts, get clear and reset yourself going into the next week. Yeah. And the weekly review makes you look at what you actually accomplished. And I started doing this and 
it almost makes you work harder during the week because you know you're going to review what you accomplished or what you didn't accomplish. You understand how productive or unproductive you were, and then you're able to make adjustments for the next week. So you could use some of these tips that we outlined. Number 14, the evening routine. So we talked about the morning routine. It's just as important at night that you have a routine. So the first thing is going to bed at the same time every single night. And I know everybody right now is saying that's impossible, but it actually is not impossible. It's not impossible. If I can do it with a three-year-old and a 10-month-old, you can do it too. Yeah. And what you do with your evening routine is you set the priorities for the next day. It doesn't have to be an elaborate routine. It can just be simply setting the top three priorities that you want to accomplish in your morning routine. So your evening routine is actually preparing for your morning routine. You want to get to bed at the same time so you can get seven to eight hours of sleep. You want to set your priorities for your morning routine. So when you wake up, you'll be full of energy. A lot of people say, oh, I can't get up early. Well, you can if you go to bed a little bit earlier. So you have to manage your evening routine in order to manage your morning routine. Jeff Sanders in the 5 a.m. Miracle talks a lot about how they're tied together. So you have to have a successful morning routine and a successful evening routine for this to work. And the last one, the importance of sleep. So what are some of the benefits of sleeping properly, Jacob? Yeah, so some of the benefits, and this is taken from the 10 benefits of a good night's sleep um, article on verywell.com. It lists 10 benefits, but we're only gonna touch on a few here. First thing is sleep makes you more alert. So I know that um, all of us out there have gone to bed later than we should have, woke up and just feel groggy and almost like a walking zombie. That goes to with the getting good night's sleep, having an evening routine and having a morning routine. You'll be more alert when you wake up. It also improves your memory. So you'll be able to remember the tasks that we outlined in this podcast then in this toolbox. Napping makes you smarter. A little bit of a nap in the afternoon uh, will get you through the rest of the day and make you more alert and productive. Do check your uh, rules on sleeping at work before you (laughs) take care of that. Napping makes you smarter. And the big thing is that sleep helps the body repair itself. So as you're sleeping, your body is still working. And a lot of people don't really realize that, that that's your downtime for your body. It's repairing your cells and getting prepared for the next day. Yeah, sleeping well is vital to your success. So I'm just piecing together your routine, Jacob. So you get up, get ready for work, pre-breakfast, breakfast, stare out the window for five minutes, take a nap, stare out the window for five minutes, and then lunch. Uh, and then, well, you forgot that I have dinner and then a <laughs> giant post-dinner. Um, before. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, kind of my routine, not all of it. <laughs> yeah, You took a little of some uh, author liberties there as you went through it. but I own the equipment. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're going to summarize the 15 ways to increase your productivity. Number one, morning routine. Number two, separate strategic versus brain dead tasks. Number three, email management. Number four, enter to-dos in calendar, not on a to-do list. Number five, chunk your work. Number six, shorten your meetings or cancel your meetings. Number seven, reduce the number of people who attend meetings. Number eight, schedule office time versus allowing drop-in visits. Number nine, always have agenda for meetings with priorities. And number 10 is the 80-20 rule. And then the bonus, five. Number 11, just say no. 
Number 12, write down your next action. Number 13, the weekly review. Number 14, a good evening routine. And number 15, the importance of sleep. Okay, thank you for joining us today. I am excited though. So uh, this is a, a pitch about what we're doing right now. I'm currently in the process of having the whole website redesigned. So maybe in three to four weeks, that will be completely redesigned and up and running. And on the website, we're going to have full transcripts of every show. We're going to have summarized show notes. And I have just written my first blog and that will be posted on the new website. And then we will be coming out with weekly blogs. So really excited about what we're going to be doing. And you will start seeing more and more on the social media platforms of Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So I'm really excited about what we're doing. I hope you will enjoy it. I hope it will help you. So until next time, take care and keep learning. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of The Aspiring New Leader. Join us again next week for more innovative ideas, inspiring stories, and interviews. Be sure to check out newtoleadership.com for more resources, show notes, and to give us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, keep aspiring.